Well, good morning, friends, and welcome to Resurrection Sunday here at French Church. He is risen. He is risen indeed. I'm Pastor Steve, and so pleased to be here worshiping with you. Who would have thought that this would be how we'd be meeting together Easter 2020. I'm just, I'm just so grateful, though, we have this technology where we can come into your homes. You can worship with us right there wherever you are, whether you're local, whether you're in another state, whether you're in another country. We can gather together as God's people. You know, it's, it's amazing how God has been preparing us for this. Uh, we, we know the weather in Northeast Ohio can be kind of difficult sometimes in the winter. So over the last couple of years, we've been working on getting our technology ready in case we would ever have to broadcast a service where the church was closed. We just didn't think it'd be under these circumstances. But today, uh, we're grateful that God has called us together, that you are here and so grateful for those who are uh, providing for us through technology, through our worship. And Lord, today as we, as we worship, just pray that you are blessed as we consider uh, what God is doing. You know, God is doing so much, even when we don't see it. He's working. And you might not see some of the things that are going on. And I just want to take a second before we get started to give you a little bit of update of what's going on in the church. And I don't have time. I can't begin to tell you everything that's happening. But because of your generosity, because of the generosity of God's people, we've been able to provide so much for so many who are in need. The church has been a busy place with people coming for food baskets and, and providing for food uh, certificates and for gas and other things. You know, I, God has worked. It was Thursday. The pastor Jim spent a lot of his day delivering not just groceries or, or, or certificates, uh, gift certificates, but delivering Chromebooks and computers to young people in the Willoughby East Lake School Districts who are struggling to, to study because they don't have the necessary equipment. We've been able to do that because of your generosity. Thank you so much. You know, these things are the things you read about in the news. We haven't been on the news. We're not doing it to, to make the news. We're doing it because we want to serve, working with the school district to find need, those in need. And uh, we, we're going to keep doing it. And we're going to keep serving as long as this goes on. As long as God gives us strength and resources, we're going to keep pouring out out of the abundance that he's given us out to our community. That does remind me, though, that because of uh, the run and, and the, the needs in our food pantry, uh, we have some needs right now to restock. Now, some of you have been dropping off all the time. We appreciate that. But we are having another special drive if you're able to get out. Uh, now, again, if you're in one of those high-risk groups, please stay in and let others do this. But if you're able to get out, uh, we're going to have someone here receiving uh, the items that, uh, that are the staples that we need for our food pantry uh, Wednesday from 9 to noon. And so I encourage you to stop and buy if you can, pick up some things and bring it uh, for our food pantry. If you can't do it then, we do have a couple uh, tubs outside uh, the doors that are just there all the time. We check it every day. We bring the food in. And so uh, you can do it that way too. But uh, your generosity has been overwhelming at this time. Uh, you know, we haven't had to lay anybody off from the church. Everybody's still working. And, you know, the Lord, I kind of feel like Joseph in Egypt. Uh, you know the story uh, back in Genesis where um, God rem reminded or told them to store up because some tough times were coming. 
And God has blessed us over the last few years here at Friends Church. We've been able to store up funds in operations and in missions, but that we are now using to bless those and to encourage others and to meet needs that are presented to us. So thank you. Keep up the good work. You can, of course, go to our website and click on the giving and continue to turn in your tithes and offerings. Uh, so appreciated. And we are using those to the best of our abilities, to the best ability that God gives us to serve others. One more thing, beginning next Sunday, we are starting a new a sermon series that uh, we're excited about. It's really walking through uh, the book of Ephesians over seven weeks. Ephesians. And so I encourage you to tune in to Family Ties. That's the series title. And we are going to be walking through that with some studies for you to do along with it. And, uh, or, and that'll be a great time together. In the meantime, this week we're having a special, we don't want to take a break from Pray Scripture. So we're having a special time of, of reading the Psalms. So if you go out on Facebook or to our website tomorrow, you'll find this week's Pray Scriptures will be special selections from the Psalms so that you can continue to read along with us and ask God to speak to you. So that brings us to today. Resurrection Sunday. I was thinking as the band was playing or as Seth and, and Doreen there were playing uh, Waymaker, that this is the day that Jesus, that, that heaven delivered a haymaker by the Waymaker. Delivered a haymaker. You know what a haymaker is? That when you, that's when you knock somebody out in boxing. It's, it's, it's the end. And it was, say, it was Jesus, it was God who delivered the haymaker. He's our Waymaker. And today we're going to read about that. We're in the book of Matthew. The story of resurrection, which of course you can find in all four Gospels. But today we're, we're starting at least in Matthew chapter 28, verses 1 through 10. Hopefully you have a Bible there at your home. You can read along with me. Or of course you can follow along on your screens and wherever you're watching as I read. Matthew 28. After the Sabbath, at dawn of the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary went to look at the tomb. There was a violent earthquake, for the angel of the Lord came down from heaven and, going to the tomb, rolled back the stone and sat on it. His appearance was like lightning, and his clothes were white as snow. The guards were so afraid of him that they shook and became like dead men. The angel said to the women, do not be afraid, for I know you are looking for Jesus, who was crucified. He is not here. He has risen, just as he said. Come and see the place where he lay. Then go quickly and tell his disciples, he has risen from the dead and is going ahead of you into Galilee. There you will see him. Now I have told you. So the women hurried away from the tomb, afraid yet filled with joy and ran to tell his disciples. Suddenly, Jesus met them. Greetings, he said. They came to him, clasped his feet, and worshipped him. Then Jesus said to them, Do not be afraid. Go and tell my brothers to go to Galilee. There they will see me. You know, this is the greatest story ever told. The greatest moment, the greatest event in history, the most significant event, the most pivotal event 
And yet, as I look at the story, I have maybe a, a question or two. And the first question that I have when I look at this is, I can't help but ask, where are the disciples? Where are the guys? You know, you look at all the recordings of this event in Matthew and Mark and Luke and John, and you see that Mary Magdalene went, or Mary, the mother of James, and Salome, the mother of J James and John, and they're all there, and Luke doesn't even bother to name them. He just says, the women. Where are the guys? Well, we know a few things. They couldn't have gotten far. If you remember, Jesus was crucified on Friday and didn't die till late in the day, late in the afternoon on Friday. And his body had to, be, had to be taken down and placed in the tomb. And it was just before Sabbath. The Sabbath would begin at sunset. And so after Sabbath would begin, they were very limited on how far they could travel. A Sabbath day's journey, they could go at most a little over a half mile from the city limits. So we know they couldn't have gotten far. But we read, and as we read through, we find out that they are in Jerusalem. They are there, and they're, they're huddled up. And I think this is when it's not so much where were they, but what were they doing. I remember and think about myself and how I would have reacted. And these disciples weren't much different than us. We found that out over the last weeks as we've been looking at the lives of these disciples and, and how they reacted and interacted with Jesus. They're just guys. And so what were they doing? Well, I think first of all, obviously they were mourning. Jesus had died. The man they had become so close to their teacher, their rabbi, and when we think of teacher, we think of someone we go and hear from from three or four or five, six, seven hours a day and then come back home. No. For these, for these guys, their, their teacher, their rabbi was someone who they followed, who they, who they um, became like. They imitated. In every way, they wanted to be their teacher. Their teacher was gone. He was their Lord. And he was gone. They didn't want this. You might remember in Mark chapter 8, Jesus told his disciples, I'm going to have to die. <laughs> and Peter rebuked him and said, no. No. You're not going to. You don't have to. It's not what they wanted and it's not what they expected. And suddenly they're grieving. They're grieving a loss. And probably wondering how they could ever replace it. And they're not grieving alone. They're grieving with each other. Very likely with Mary, the mother of Jesus. You know, there's a, there's a structured period of mourning, of grieving for the Jews. And, and it starts with a seven-day period known as Shiva. And, and Shiva is, is this period... Think of it, at least in the way I look at it, it's almost like an extended calling hours or visitation where those who are close to the family, the friends of the family, come for seven days. Come to the home of the, the grieving family, the mourning family, to sit with them, to offer prayers with them, to offer encouragement, words of love, words of hope, 
It's a, it's a time where the family can take seven days, rest, reflect, and mourn before the next steps of the grieving, which bring you more and more into what normal life would be now that the loved one is gone. So they would have been there taking part in Shiva. They would have been there encouraging the Mary. But, you know, they were family, so they were also encouraging each other in their time of mourning. But they weren't just mourning. Uh, they were also scared. Uh, these guys were fearful. In fact, uh, later that day, that resurrection day, John tells us that they were still, even after they'd heard about Christ being risen from the dead, it says they were in a room with the door locked because of the fear of the Jews. They were fearful. They probably remembered some of the things that Jesus had told them. He had told them, if they hate me, they're going to hate you. And he told them that there's going to even be a time where the people, are, when they kill you, they think that they're doing God a favor. They had reason to be afraid. They had reason to be scared. And they were huddled in a room, locked. You know, they were also doubting. They were having their, their doubts did they just waste three years of their life? Was this wasted time? I can imagine they're saying, how could I have been so wrong? Or maybe they're saying, was I wrong? Is he who he says he was? Or is he just another one of those fake messiahs that have come along and here today, gone tomorrow? You know, Thomas, he even got the nickname Doubting Thomas because he said, uh, you know, before he saw him, he said, unless I can see the nail-pierced hands, unless I can put my finger in the, in the hands, unless I can put my hand in his side, I'm not going to believe. But even the rest of the disciples, Luke tells us that when the women came running back to the rest of the disciples, looked around, and, and when she, they told him the good news, it said they didn't believe it. They didn't believe it. Dead people don't live again. Dead people don't live again. As if they'd forgotten that just weeks before, Jesus had called Lazarus from the grave. But they were doubters. And of course, they were angry. They had to be angry. Angry at themselves, mostly. They were supposed to stick with Jesus. They were supposed to go with him wherever they go and they abandoned him when he needed them the most. And of course, front of the line was Peter. Peter said, Lord, I will die for you. Moments later, he denied he ever knew Jesus Christ. Can you imagine the guilt that was being felt by these guys? I can. So where were the disciples? Well, as far as I can put together, they were sequestered, they were isolated, they had sheltered in place. <laughs> and some of the emotions they were experiencing was grief and fear, doubt and anger. Does that sound like 
any time that you know of. You know, we may never be closer to that first Easter today in our homes, isolated, sequestered, sheltering in place, feeling grief and fear and doubt and anger, just like they did in that day. We get an understanding of what these disciples were going through as we think about how we are. So, we, like those disciples, today find ourselves sheltered, isolated, some with fear and maybe some grief that we talked about a couple weeks ago in our homes, waiting for the future, waiting for what might happen, what's going to happen. And so the other question that has to be answered today, the most important question is not where were the disciples, but where was Jesus? Where was Jesus? Maybe it's better to start with where he isn't or where he wasn't. The story tells us that the angel came down. There was this great earthquake. His appearance was like lightning, white as snow. The guards were so afraid they fainted like dead men. And as the women came, the angel says, do not be afraid, for I know you are looking for Jesus who was crucified. He is not here. He has risen just as he said. Come and see the place where he lay. Where was Jesus? Well, he wasn't in the tomb. I love the way Luke says this and what he reports the angel said. In chapter 24, verse 5, he says this, Why do you look for the living among the dead? He is not here. He is risen. If you're looking for Jesus among all those who have passed, among in, in the graveyard, in the cemetery, that's not where he is. The grave is empty. Luke and John write about how Peter and John ran down and, and looked into the tomb and ran into the tomb and then walked into the tomb and looked around and saw, verified, the tomb was empty. Jesus was not there. The angel is saying, he's alive. He's not dead man walking. He's not a zombie. He's not a ghost. He's alive. And today we celebrate that Jesus Christ is not and was not in that grave. And the angel tells them, do not be afraid. Goes on in Matthew, verse eight, says, so the women hurried away from the tomb, afraid, yet filled with joy. Kind of mixed emotions. You know what that's like. I know what that's like. I, 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 I want to be hopeful. I, I want to get rid of the fear, but I still got this fear and Joyce trying to squish in there a little bit somehow, you know, and, and so you're back and forth. Sometimes the joy is higher, but sometimes the fear is higher. And we have these mixed emotions as we battle within ourselves. How do we feel in this battles going on in their lives? Should we feel fear? 
Or should we feel joy in that battle is going on until, until they meet Jesus? They meet Jesus. It says here in the scriptures in Matthew that we read, then go quickly and tell his disciples he has risen from the dead. It says the women hurried away from the tomb, filled with joy, afraid to tell his disciples. Suddenly, suddenly, Jesus met them. Greetings, he said. Now that's got to be the most understated salutation I can imagine. If, if you've just been, you were dead and you've, you're, now you're alive, you've risen from the dead and you see somebody, it's like saying, hi. I can imagine an understated greeting, but he says, greetings. And it says, they came to him, classes he worshiped him. And Jesus said, do not be afraid. Go tell your brothers. Something I've noticed here is, is the, they came in fear. The angel had to say when, when, when they saw him, fear not. And the angel encouraging them, don't fear. But when they walk away, there's still fear, even though it's filled with joy. But after meeting Jesus, after having an encounter with Jesus, we never again see the word fear. In all the versions, in all the Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, once the Jesus appears, once he is present, once they have met him, you do not see fear. Instead, you see hope, you see joy. Because they've had now that personal encounter with Jesus Christ, the risen Lord, the risen Savior. They met Jesus. He dispels their fear. He brings them joy. He brings us hope. Because Jesus was no longer in the grave. He was alive. And he had proved that he was greater than death. That he defeated the death, that he overcame the grave. And that brings us hope and it brings us joy today. You know, Jesus told the disciples in John 14, 19, because I live, you live. Those are words of hope. Those are words of joy. Jesus is greater than death. Jesus is greater than cancer. And let me tell you this. Jesus is greater than any little virus that would try to steal our joy and our hope. He offers a sure hope, a hope of eternal life. Because he lives, we live. That's why Peter, many, many years later, when he's writing to Christians who are suffering all around the world, can write these words in 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 3. He says, Praise be to God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. In his great mercy, he has given us a new birth into a living hope. And then get this, through the resurrection of Christ Jesus Christ from the dead, and into an inheritance that can never perish, never spoil, never fade. A hope 
that is sure. We have this new birth. We have this living hope. Why? Through the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Because Jesus lives, we too shall live. It's a hope that carries us no matter what we are going through. And he is the savior that has come to give us that hope, to give us that new life, to give us that inheritance. You know, the world today is looking for a savior. I, I was just hit in the face with this. This week as I was reading through and scrolling through some of news articles on my, on my iPad and seeing what's going on in the world. And there was an article, and you may know the name Martin Screlly. Martin is, um, right now he's in prison. He is a former pharmaceutical exec who um, was uh, charged and convicted of securities fraud. He was known as the Pharma Bro. Pharma Bro. He, he was one of those that would buy up old patents on drugs and buy them up and then manufacture the drugs and multiply the cost of those five, ten times what they originally were and really gouging those folks that needed those drugs so bad. Spending time in prison. But he said from prison, he said, let me out of here and in three months, I will wipe out this virus. I'll take care of it. It will be gone. And in one article, I read this, and these are exact words. It says, yes, the widely despised ex-pharmaceutical executive currently serving a seven-year federal prison term for fraud is in fact humanity's one true savior. If only we'd let him out of jail for a few months. Now I hope that was written tongue-in-cheek. But I kind of wonder if if someone would come up for a, an immediate cure, if someone tomorrow, someone announced they have a cure, they have a, something that would alleviate the, the suffering of the coronavirus, if they might not be trumpeted as a savior. But a savior from what? A savior from suffering? A savior from death on this earth? What about eternity? We just read that we have a living hope the resurrection of Christ provides an inheritance that will never fail. It won't perish, it won't spoil, it won't fade. No matter what we're going through. Pastor and author Chuck Swindoll, over 20 years ago, wrote a book called Hope Again. And in that, he says this. If God brought his son through the most painful trials and back from the pit of death itself, certainly he can bring us through whatever we face in this world. No matter how deep that pit might seem to be at the time. That's a comforting thought for, for, for today. It's just like Jesus saying, fear not. If God can rescue his son from the grave, from the pit of the grave, from the pit of death, he can carry us. He can help us through what we're going through. Maybe you've seen the meme that I've seen out on Facebook. It's, it says something like that God did not remove or take away the Red Sea. He made a path through it. God is carrying us through this time. Peter goes on and he says this in verse 6. 
In all this, in all these sufferings, you greatly rejoice, though now for a little while you may have had to suffer grief in all kinds of trial. All kinds of trials. And he explains going on, these have come so that the proven genuineness of your faith of greater worth than gold which perishes, even though refined by fire, may result in praise, glory, and honor when Jesus Christ is revealed. And he concludes with this, though you have not seen him, you love him. And even though you do not see him now, you believe in him and are filled with the inexpressible and glorious joy. For you are receiving the end result of your faith, the salvation of your souls. That's the great hope. Because he lives, we live. Because he lives, he's provided an inheritance for us that is sure. And it provides an inheritance that saves us even though we go through trials, even though we go through suffering. Because one day, one day we will see him. One day we will be in his glory. One day he will be revealed. And and now he is saving our souls today for that day. Swindoll goes on in Hope Again, says this, as difficult as some pages of our life may be, nothing that occurs to us on this earth falls into the category of the final chapter. Hey, did you get that? Nothing is the final chapter. That chapter will not be completed until we arrive in heaven and step into the presence of the living God. Our final meeting is not with the antagonist in our life story, but with the author himself. Our final meeting is with the God who loves us and created us, who died for us, who rose again to provide for us an inheritance. Jesus Christ is no longer in the grave. Jesus Christ has risen. And when we have a personal encounter with Christ like those ladies did and like those disciples later later did, it takes away the fear and replaces it with hope and with joy, with a living hope. That is why Paul also so many years later could write in 1 Corinthians 15, death has been swallowed up in victory. Where, O death, is your victory? Where, O death, is your sting? The sting of death is sin, and the power of sin is the law. But thanks be to God, he gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. You know, last week we celebrated the triumphal entry. Today we celebrate the victorious exit because Jesus Christ is no longer in the grave. And because he's no longer in the grave, we have a new birth. We have a living hope. We have an inheritance that can never perish, that can never spoil, that can never fade. He is risen. He is risen indeed. Would you sing with us? And I was buried beneath my shame. Who could carry that kind of weight? It was my turn 
till I met you. Oh, I was breathing, but not alive. And all my failures, I tried to hide. It was my turn till I met you. You called my name And I ran out of that grave Out of the darkness Into your glorious day You called my name And I ran out of that grave Out of the darkness now your mercy has saved my soul Amen Now your freedom is all that I know The old made when I met you, you called, you called my name, and I ran out of that grave, out of the darkness, into your glorious day, you called my name. Rescued by Christ. Come on, let's declare this together. I needed rescue. I needed rescue. My sin was heavy. Chains break at the weight of your glory. I needed shelter. I was an orphan. You call me a citizen of heaven. began today by asking two questions. Where were the disciples and where was Jesus? But I have one more question I want to leave with you today. 
the most important question of all. And that's, where are you? Where are you? Have you had that personal encounter with Jesus Christ? If, if you want to claim that inheritance that is sure, you need to have that personal encounter. The Bible tells us that all you need to do is to believe on him and to receive him. And he will live in you. I'd encourage you, if you haven't done that, if that's not a step you've taken, be like our friend Mike in those videos early in the service who said it was on Easter Sunday that he gave his heart to the Lord. I believe God wants that today from us. He wants us. He wants to, he wants to give his inheritance. He's like, a, he's like a parent who has this big inheritance, just dying to give it to us. He died to give it to us, but he rose again so that we could have it in victory. So as, just, as, let's close our, our, my, our eyes for a second. Maybe just, if, if that's you this morning, if you want to say, yes, I want that personal relationship with Christ, it's not hard. Just repeat these words just after me. Lord, I receive you. Lord, I believe in you. Lord, come into my life. Father, I believe that there are those today that have prayed that prayer. Lord, I pray that you would make them real to them today. Lord, that the experience of knowing you personally, of having that personal encounter, would, Lord, drive out those fears and feelings of guilt and loss, hurt. Replace it with the love that comes through Jesus Christ who gave his life for us and lives again to give us that great inheritance, eternity with you, knowing that this is not the final chapter. Lord, even if, if we were to die today, it's only the beginning of life everlasting. In that place that you've prepared for us, in your presence. Lord, I thank you that today we can come with a confidence. Not because someone's told us, but because we've had that personal experience, we have met you. The one who rose from the grave and lives today to bring us eternal life. We thank you. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, if you prayed that prayer, we'd encourage you to let us know that. You can go to our website and click on uh, the, the uh, proper tab. And I think some of that will be right on the uh, screen as you come up. Go to the uh, need help, connect us, contact us. There's a connection card. Get on that connection card. There's a place on the box there. Say, I want to begin a relationship with Christ. We will get those and, you know, we'll connect with you some way in these, uh, in these times. Uh, uh, online, voicemail, or uh, uh, 
e- email, whatever it might be. But let us know. We'd love, to, we'd love to celebrate with you. And if you're one of those who have known Christ for many years and you're part of the faithful here at French Church, thank you. Thank you again for your generosity. Thank you for being with us in this time. Thank you for your kind notes. Thank you for your support. We are praying for you. We are lifting you up. And we want you to know if you have any needs, if you have any needs, give us a ring, give us an email, connect with us some way, maybe that connection card. Let us know. We're here to serve. So today, uh, as you uh, complete uh, this service, as we complete it, uh, have a great day. Happy Easter. And worship the Lord today, the one who gave his life for us and is risen. He is risen indeed. Happy Easter.